Um, okay, what, what we're going to do uh, today I, uh, is last week we did an introduction to Kiddush HaKodesh, and towards the end I mused about the possibility of uh, continuing it as a part two. I am going to continue it as a part two, but not right now, and I'll tell you why. Because I want to wait until we get into the main sugyot of Kiddush HaKodesh, which will be in the second parak, at the end of the first parak, and the second parak, and then I'm going to do a part two. For right now, I want to focus on a sugya that we dealt with over the last few days in the daf, which is the sugya of Lota Acher, or Balta Acher. Uh, just one quick linguistic note about that. Uh, when we have a, a prohibition in the Torah, uh, it is often prefaced with the word lo, and then the verb, lo tirzach, lo tignov, lo ta'acher, lo tashchit, etc. And uh, the way that Chazal referred to it as a, uh, as a noun is with the negative preface baal. Not baal, but baal, bet lamed. So baal ta'acher is the prohibition of delaying. And lo ta'acher is the actual command not to delay. So we refer to baal ta'acher, just like most famously referred to baal yimatzeh and baal yiran, baal yimatzeh, when it comes to the prohibitions of only chametz on Pesach. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. Now, Kurt, you'll excuse me, but this time I'm actually going to go in uh, in pedagogically sound order, which is to start from the psukim, because what we're looking at is a prohibition in the Torah and to see how it plays out in our sugyot. Just a reminder of the context. Our Mishnah, the first Mishnah, and by the way, Rosh Hashanah is one of those masachot where the discussion of the first Mishnah goes on and on and on, so that for quite a long time, you talk about our Mishnah, and you're referring back to Daf Bet Our Mishnah lists four different dates that are Rosh Hashanah. And one of them is, the first one is Rosh Chodesh Nisan. And of course, the Mishnah delineates that each of these dates is significant for a different counting purpose or a different cyclical purpose. And the significance of Rosh Hashanah is le-melachim v'lir-galim. So melachim is something that we talked about in the Gemara. It means that when we want to date a document, what year do we give it? It's the year of the king based on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. So if a king was crowned uh, in Sivan for the next 10 months, he's in his first year, and Rosh Chodesh Nisan comes along, we start second year. Okay. The next thing was lir-galim. And that led to a protracted discussion, which we did uh, sideways because we took it from the direction of the Gemara. Now we're going to do it top down. We're going to start from the Psukim and go in. And the topic was what we're going to see here. However, the first Pasuk we're going to see is not Lotacher. The first Pasuk we're going to see is, the first set of Psukim, is a set of Psukim from Parshat Re'e. Now, a little background. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu introduces us to the notion of avodah, meaning of sacrificial worship, uh, he does it by, via the, first of all, he introduces the notion of us building a Mizbech wherever we want to. And then, in somehow in the middle, or as an after effect, however we want to play it, of the story of the Egel, he gives us the command of building a Mishkan. And the main focus of the Mishkan is not korbanot. Important to note, the main focus of the Mishkan is to serve as a continued, uh, if you will, Har Sinai on, on wheels. A continued locus of, uh, of, uh, of revelation, where we're going, the main, the main point, the nexus of the, of the Mishkan is the Aron. The Aron has on top of it a gold cover, the Kaporet, Coming out of the gold cover, fashioned from one hunk of gold, is two kruvim, and Hashem will speak to Moshe from between the kruvim and continue to give him mitzvot. And all of Sefer Vayikra, for the most part, most of Sefer Vayikra is given that way, and we assume the mitzvot given later on by Midbar are also given that way. That's the purpose of the Mishkan. Korbanot are uh, almost an afterthought when it comes to the Mishkan. However, the korbanot... Uh, are going to be kicking in in a much more pronounced way once we come into the land and once we set up a more permanent place. And that's something we're told about in Parshat Re'e. And the preface to what you see in Source 1 is that Moshe says, when you come to the land, 
um, you have to destroy all of the idolatrous places, etc. Don't do that to Hashem. By the way, these nations worship their gods on mountains and under trees. Not the same with you. And here we go. Rather, there is going to be one place that God will select from all of your tribes to place his name there, to have his name reside there. You will seek out where he resides. And you must come to this place. So there seems to be a mitzvah to identify the place where God is, has, has his name rest. That would not be a mitzvah that would be considered part of the Tayag mitzvot because it's a one-time mitzvah. And then uvata shama, you have a mitzvah to come to that place, you have to visit the place. And then the very next pasuk is vahavetem shama, and you shall bring to that place. And then there's a whole list, although techem, zivchechem, all the different gifts, you should bring them to that place. Now notice the juxtaposition of the two phrases that are in yellow. You shall come to the place and bring to the place all your different gifts. Okay, keep that in mind. We're going to come back to that, those two phrases uh, in, in, the, in the main part of the shiur. Second thing is in Parshat Kitetse, also in Sefer Dvarim, among a whole list which seems to be miscellany, it's not, of, uh, of commands, we have the following command. Ki tidor neder so when you make a neder to God, all right, and important to step back and ask, what does neder mean? So how would you translate the word neder? Vow. A vow. Good. Now, nedarim, and I'm taking this straight from the Ramban's introduction to Parshat Matot, nedarim fall into two distinct categories. When you're studying Masachet nedarim, what is it mainly about? Taking a vow, what kind of a vow in nedarim? Prohibiting an item to yourself. Exactly. And nedarim, for the, and all of Masachet nedarim is devoted to nedarim that we refer to as nidre isur. When I ban something on myself, maybe I'm banning a certain kind of food, that's typical. I'm banning a certain town, I'm, that, that this town is also to me, a certain item is also for me to use. Often, nidarim happen in the, in the context of squabbles. So that I ban getting any benefit from you, because I want to have to do with you. I can also ban anything that I own on anybody or on everybody. So I could say my shovel is Asurbana to everybody. There's formula of how to say it. That's the Dre Isur. There's another kind of neder, which is the kind referenced here, which does not show up in Masachat Nedarim, it shows up in other Masachot, and that's called Nidre Hekdesh. And that's not a neder to avoid, that's a neder to bring, a neder to commit, where you say, Hare Alai, Ola, Hare Alai, Shlamim. In other words, you accept upon yourself the obligation to bring a Korban Ola or a Korban Shlamim, as an example. There'll be other things. So now back to the Pasuk. Ki tidor neder When you make a vow to God, lo ta'acher l'shalmo. Don't delay paying it. Now, before we, we don't have a chance to do this when we're doing the daf, but we're going deep, so that's the point. What is the concern of the Torah? Why does the Torah have to say, don't delay? So let's go back. What's the psychology of somebody taking a neder? Why does somebody take a neder? So he feels he feels an obligation to bring something right. Like exactly. And why does he feel that obligation? He's inspired by something. Exactly. Perfect. True. When he's inspired by something, he had a near-death experience and was saved. He uh, he uh, heard a great Musa Shmuz and got inspired. He uh, saw the fire come down from heaven and said, Adonai Elohim, Adonai Elohim, Eliyahu and Akamel. He's inspired. What's always the problem with inspira inspirationally motivated obligations or commitments? Hey. Yeah. Inspiration phase. Right. In other words, on the spot, you're very excited about it. Right. And then the time you get home and you check your bank account, and you see when's the next time you're going to get to Shalom and say, oh, you know, okay, so I got excited. So what does the Torah say? Don't shoot off your mouth. You're going to make a commitment, don't delay paying it. Just the psychology behind this mitzvah. Why? God will surely seek it out from you 
and you will be considered to be a sinner if you don't pay it back pay it on time. Now, you could ask, what's the sin? Is the sin not bringing it, or is the sin making the commitment without thinking? You can, you can argue it. And therefore, the Torah says, if you avoid making the neder, there's no sin. So you can picture somebody who, here's a great story, here's a great piece of learning, uh, gets inspired by hearing a story of a miracle and someone's, whatever it might be, and is inspired to do something, and they're about to make a commitment, and then they say, maybe I should hold back. Maybe I should not jump into the commitment, but then I'll be sinning because I was moved to do it, I didn't do it. Aren't I a bad guy? No, the Torah says, no, you're not a bad guy. If you avoid Nidarim, you're not a bad guy. Nidarim is something that actually should be totally avoided. Hence, hence the phrase Belineder. That's why people say Belineder when they commit to doing something. Of course, it, it then becomes a little bit of an excuse. Yeah, I'll pick you up tomorrow at five o'clock, Belineder, and then I forget and I don't show up and I'm off the hook. I said Belineder. It's, it's a tricky kind of um, a dicey thing. The Torah then finishes this phrase, this section by saying, Motsas fatecha tishmor ve'asita. That which comes out of your mouth, Guard it and do it. Which seems to be reiterating what it said to Tzukim earlier. Just as you vowed to God as a nidava, which you said with your mouth. Now the simple shot in the Pasuk is you voluntarily vowed to do something. Meaning you weren't obligated to do this thing. You went above and beyond and you opened your mouth and you committed to doing this, you've got to guard it because you said it with your mouth. That which comes out of your mouth has reality to it and it commits you. Okay. Now, what? Okay. So now, just as an aside, I want to show you that the phrase lo ta'acher, which is the key phrase in our entire sugya, it's the name of the shia, lo ta'acher, right? And everybody came on time, so that's perfect. Um, shows up one other time in Chumash. And I just want to show it to you to distinguish it. It shows up in Parshat Mishpatim. And Parshat Mishpatim is first a very clear law code that deals with uh, damages to humans, then damages to property, etc. And then it spins off into what seems to be a miscellany of laws. And one of them, which is a standalone pasuk, is Muleyatcha v'dimacha lo te'acher. This seems to be referring to the various gifts to the Kwanim and Levi'im. Lo ta'acher. What does lo ta'acher mean? Don't delay. Don't delay. So it sounds like as soon as I harvest and I separate my gifts to the Kohen, I have to give it, give it to the Levi, give it to him, etc. And we're going to find that it has another halachic application. Right. So now, what is the Mechil to say about this? Lo ta'acher. Shalom takdim ser sheni rishon. So the Mechilta says, what does Lotacher mean? It doesn't mean don't delay. It means don't play with the sequence. The sequence is Bikurim, then Truma, then Maserishon, then Maserishini. So Lotacher would mean don't put the earlier one last, which means in this context, Lotacher is read internally as the Torah is reminding us that there is a system of obligations that you have, and the obligations have a sequence whenever you complete your harvest and you're processing the harvest. Don't, it's not don't delay, it's like don't put it late, which means don't bring the gifts or don't give the gifts out of order. First you separate Bikurim, then when you come to your to harvest, you separate Truma, then Maser Rishon, Maser Shini, or Maser Ani, in that order. Rashi says the same thing. You see in source five, don't change the order of the, of the uh, assignment. To do the early one late and the early, and late one early. And then he gives the examples of Truma and Maser and Bikurim. Okay. I did that not to show you what Lotacher means, but to show you what Lotacher could mean. So why does Lotacher here mean don't switch the order and why does our lo ta'cher mean don't delay? What's the difference? Because there is there is no order to contemplate. Uh, okay, good. So Sherwin says, Sherwin has a Say it again. If you give me a Corbin, for example, there's no 
Seder. You're right. just giving. So first of all, Sherwin has a very good point, which is in our Parsha, in Hitidor, there is no sequencing. There's one item. So Lotacher can't mean don't do it out of order. There's no order. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it must mean delay. There's another reason for it. That's true, and there's another reason. What is the whole thrust of source two? The whole source of thrust two, which is perhaps best accentuated by the beginning of Pasuk Kaftalit is, nobody asked you for this. You volunteered to do it. And remember the psychology we talked about. So Lotacher means you got all excited and you voluntarily committed to something, fine, but now you're, now you're stuck with it and don't delay. That's not true about source three. Source three are obligations you have. There are things that once you harvest, you have to give this stuff. This isn't a voluntary thing. And therefore, they read Lotacher as an internal systemic rule. You have to do things in a particular order. Which is why the, the Lashona Pasuk says, Exactly. Exactly the point is that this is a voluntary gift. And therefore, we're reminding you that the voluntary gift, which you may say, look, I was nice enough to open my mouth and commit. Isn't that good enough? So no, no, the minute you open your mouth, that puts you into the realm of Chiyu and do it on time. Okay. Uh, two more passages we have to look at. The first one is at the very, very end of the whole parsha of Tmidin Musafin. So if you remember that uh, Parshat Pinchas, they have a little cute thing that they say. Pinchas is a guy who was always very unhappy at home and always very happy on the road. <laughs> right? Why is that? Because when you read Parshat Pinchas as Parshat Pinchas, it's always the three weeks. Or at worst, it's Shabbat of, T- of Shivasa Batamuz and three weeks starts the next day. Right? So Parsha Pinchas always comes with a very sad haftarah at the beginning of the sad period. When is Parsha Pinchas read not Parsha Pinchas? When do we read from Parsha Pinchas when it's not Parsha Pinchas? On the Chagim. The Chagim, yeah, the Chodesh, it's the Maftir of all the festive days. So Pinchas is always very happy when he's on the road. Okay, anyhow. <laughs> so the very end of that whole list of Korban Tamid, Shabbat, Rosh Chodesh, Matzot, um, Pesach Matzot, Shavuot, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, 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 Sukkot all those pieces, the very end of that is this Pasuk, which you may remember because it was the Mafta that we read on, on Shmini Atzeret, and here in the States you read it twice. These are the Korbanot that you do on your special appointed days. Besides your voluntary offerings and commitments that you made, voluntary commitments that you made to bring olot and melachot and nesachim and shalmechem. Good. Okay. The last thing I want to look at is big, but we're not going to look at the whole thing. It is the first 16, 17 verses of chapter 16 in Tvarim, which is the bulk of the reading on the eighth day of Pesach, here in Chutzlarts on the second day of Shavuot, here in Chutzlarts, and on Shmini Atzeret, it's part of the reading, and it's the end of the reading, and it reads as follows, Shamor and Chodesh Aviv, and the first eight psukim give us the details of Korban Pesach, and of Chametz, and of seven days of Matzot, Pesach. Then we have another four psukim about Shavuot. You see it where it says Chag Shavuot in the yellow? You ever see it? And then we have the parsha of Chag Sukkot, Matzot, Shavuot, Sukkot. Very nice. And it describes Sukkot. And it says on Sukkot, you have seven days when you've gathered everything in and you rejoice, you and your whole family together, right? And for seven days, you celebrate in the place that God chooses, God blesses you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, Pasuk Tetzayin, Shalosh Pa'amim Bashana, Chol at Pnei Three times a year, your, all of your males should see God Now I'm going to skip the red for right now. I'm going to read the Pasuk and tell me if it makes sense. Three times a year. All of your males should be seen by God in the place he chooses. Remember, we've already seen that phrase. 
And God's God should not be should should not you should not be seen by God empty-handed. Right? Everybody brings as God has given as as God has blessed them. Now, was there anything missing from what I said? Remember, I skipped the six red words. So what did no. I say? Three no. times a year, all of your males should be seen by God in the place he chooses, and his face should not be seen empty. Am I missing anything? No, because you you don't need those. Why do I not know which three times a year? Good. So Alan's going to say, I don't know which three times a year. And then I'll turn around and say, yes, I do. Because look at the yellow markings in the Parsha. Right? In other right, words, right, right. say it like this. Let me just put it into an English phrasing here. Okay. Um, there is a very big, okay, we're all rooting for the Dodgers here. So there is a very big baseball yontif on the uh, March 29th, which is opening day. And there's a very big baseball yontif on July. I'm going to make it up fourth because it's the all-star game in Dodger Stadium this year. And there is a very big baseball yontif on October 15th because that's the day the Dodgers will win the World Series next year. All right. And then I say three times a year, everybody should put the Dodger pennants on their car. Now, do I need to say which three? You already told us. I just said, I said there's a yontif here and a yontif there and a yontif there. So when I have to, at the end of it, I say, and three times a year, you have to, it's pretty clear what they are. Now, Lahavdil, because it's great as nonetheless, I'm not going to compare them. <laughs> the Torah gives nine, eight psukim detail about Pesach, four psukim detail about Shavuot, another few psukim detail about Sukkot, and then it says, three times a year, all of your males should be seen by God in the place he chooses. It's pretty clear what those three times are. We just mm -hmm. listed them. We're in the middle of, we're finishing that sequence. Chag HaMatzot, Chag HaShavot, Chag HaSukot is all superfluous. Now, if I were to, to pick and say, but among the six red words, which ones are super superfluous? What would you say? Chag. Chag. Which ones? Chag which? Well, which Chag is super superfluous? The last one. Chag the last one because this is in the middle of the paragraph about Sukkot. Yeah, but if you're talking about redundancies, in essence, the entire Pusuk is redundant. It says, Lo, your come, that appears above. Where? Uh, where? And, uh, uh, where? That appears in Pusuk Tet. Um, yeah, that's just saying that's just saying that. So, so Reikam infers that you have to bring Karbonot. And that. Wait, wait where, where, where does. Hold on, where? Here, for example, Pusuk Bet. That's Koran Pesach. That's Koran okay, Pesach. I'm saying this whole the whole pasukah is redundant, not just the how so. But okay, let's stop and let's let's look at it. let's make sure we're clear. Look through everything until pasuk Tedvav. Is there anything there that says that I have to go to the place God chose to celebrate this holiday besides the Korban Pesach in pasuk Bet? Yeah, sure. In pasuk Tet, the Tet or Yud Aleph, the Yud Aleph. Okay, so I have to go and celebrate before God. Doesn't that say how to celebrate? I, I'm with you, child. Uh, Sherman, I'm, I'm with you in that the not that the whole pasuk is redundant, but that the pasuk seems to have a lot of redundancy to it. But the biggest redundancy is listing the specific holidays because they were just listed, right? Now you it, also say, says, it also says panmim at the beginning of the Pasuk, which right. makes it more redundant. Right, because we just listed them. Now, if I didn't list them, let's just let's just for a minute say that I'm going to blank this Pasuk out. Then all I would have is I have to go up to Shalim, I know it's Yerushalayim later, to bring Korban Pesach. I don't know anything about coming up during the middle of the Chag or, or staying there longer and bringing Korban Chagiga and other things. Shavuot, all I know is I'm supposed to rejoice before God, but I don't know that I have to, to come to him not with korbanot. And the beginning of the Sukkot thing doesn't tell me that either. Now I'm suddenly told that these three times, every male has to come up and has to be seen by God and cannot come up empty-handed, which means he has to bring korbanot. So there is some added information here, but the specific details about which three they are is totally redundant. I agree with you that there's more redundancy in the pasuk than just that. 
But you could certainly point to Chag HaMatzor, Chag HaShavu, Chag HaSugot as being redundant, and Chag HaSugot is super redundant. So let's keep that in mind as we move ahead. Now, let's take a look at the Midrash Halacha on the first selection, which said, when you come to the land that you seek out the place that God chooses, you come there and you bring Korbanot. Okay, here we go. This is the Sifrei, Sifrei Dvarim, Midrash Halacha and Dvarim. Uvata shama vavetem shama. Lama ne'amar. Why does the Torah have to say this? That was the second selection we saw. Sorry, the fourth selection we saw, which is at the end of the Parsha Pincha series, right? Yachol, by the way, Yachol, this is a Rabbi, um, this is a Sifrei Dvarim, is a Rabbi Akiva collection, and the Yachol is one of the Rabbi Akiva school phrases. It says, I might have thought. You know it from the Nagoda, Yachom Rosh Chodesh, right? Yachol ain't lishikare varegel ala korbanotaregel bilvad. In other words, I might think that the only korbanot you bring when you come to Yerushalayim for the regel are the korbanot of the regel itself. Minayim the korbanot tzibur shuk tushulifnei regel sheavil lifnei regel. How do I know that there are public korbanot that were designated before the regel? They should be brought on the regel, and this is the more important part for us. What happens if I sanctify a designated korban on the regal that's not part of the regal? For instance, I made a netter during the year to bring in Ola. And now I'm in Yerushalayim. So I go by an animal and say, that's my Ola. How do I know that that's brought on the regal? That's why we have the second pasuk. Meaning, any korbanot, even not mammals, even birds, even minachot, grain offerings that I committed to, are brought on the regal. Now, yachol reshut, I might think that means I have permission to bring them. The Torah already said I'm allowed to. To tell me I'm obligated to bring them. Now, what's going on here? God is telling me this. When I come to Yerushalayim, I am obligated to then offer all the things I committed to or that I designated since the last time. No, but Rabbi, maybe even stronger than that, because it's also telling you, you can't just say, hey, I'm going to Yerushalayim tomorrow. I just feel like it. And you're between Chagim. And then you bring the Korbanot, the law that you promised. It says, yeah, no, no, no. Hold off until, until it's one of the Shalosh Regalim. Then you bring it. But you can certainly go in earlier and bring your Korbanot then too. Right, but if you go on the regel, you're obligated to not only bring the korbanot of the regel you have to bring your olat riyah, your pilgrimage offerings, but you have to bring anything else that you committed to in the meat beforehand. Right? Good. So I might think, yachol again, I might have thought you could do it any yom tov you want. Our pasuk, which says, when you come there, you bring. It says you come there and you bring, but we're going to read it as when you come there, you bring. Therefore, the first regal that hits you after you made the commitment, you have to do it. Which means, if I make a commitment today to bring an Ola, I have to bring it on Pesach. I can't wait till Shavuot. So that could that could go back to the pasuk alti achar. You can't. Yeah, delay. We're going. We're that, going. That's your deadline. That's your deadline. We're gonna, but we're going to see that may not be the deadline. That's what we have to get into. <laughs> so now, based on uvata shama shama, which means anytime you come, you bring, and you don't just bring what you're obligated to bring because of the regel. You bring everything that you committed to when you come, and you're obligated to come. Therefore, the first regel is already the mitzvah. Now we come to the question. Right? So I might think, what happens if one regal came? It should be regal achad. What happens if uh, if one regal came and you didn't bring it? I might think you then violated the rule of not delaying. Therefore, we have, in other words, what the Midrash is doing is saying we've got to balance. Two, two psukim balancing each other. 
One saying, when you come, bring it. And the other, do it on your holidays, in the plural. How are they reading Moadechem? Your holidays. What's your holidays? The whole platter. Matzot, Shavuot, Sukkot. And therefore, when are you actually in violation of delaying? When you've missed all of the holidays of one year and didn't bring it. When are you obligated to bring it? The first holiday. So watch the, watch the tension. When am I obligated to bring my korbanot? The first regal after I made my commitment. And what it's basically very simple. I'm obligated to go to Shalim three times a year. So when I go up on Pesach, I not only bring my korban Pesach, I not only bring my pilgrimage offerings for Pesach, but I also have to bring all the korbanot I committed to or became liable for during the last six months. My wife gave birth. I have to bring, we have to bring a, a kanyo it. Um, I was a Zav and became Tower after my own came. Um, I woke up one shop this morning, thought it was Sunday, yata, da, 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 I have to bring a Chatat. All the things. I made a netter to bring an Olaf. To bring, I have to bring all the Korbanot the first time I come. What happens if I didn't bring them? I forgot to, or I, I couldn't slept that much, or I didn't have enough money. So bring it on Shavuot. And I still would not have been considered delaying, but I missed the mitzvah of bringing it the first time. Okay? I missed the ideal. All right. Um, and then it goes through all the things that are listed and says what which particular korbanot that the, those are referring to. Now, um, the, um, the Midrash Halacha on the Sifrein Bamidbar, Eilat Asula Adonai Bumadechem, reads as follows. Eilu nedarim unedavot shenoder baregel which means if on the regal I made a netter, I have to bring it right away. This is Rabbi Shmuel talking. It's a different Midrasha collection. You think it's Nidarim Davot that he took the netter on the regal? Maybe it's talking about things you made a commitment to before. The answer is Kshumerki. You don't have that. You can't delay. Meaning the Torah already committed with lo ta'cher that you can't delay bringing them past the first regal. So that means that if you made a nether on the regal, you have to bring it. And if you made a nether before the regal, you have to bring it because otherwise you're delaying. Okay, good. And now we go to the Tosefta. Now we've seen the Midrash on the Sukkim. Look at the Tosefta. And the Tosefta we saw in our Gemara. The Mishnah said that Rosh Hashanah, and the Tosefta says also in Halacha Aleph, Rosh Chodesh Nisan is Rosh Hashanah le Melachim Belir Galim. And the Tosefta adds a few other things, Trumat Galim and, uh, and, um, and uh, Iburim. And now it explicates. Ketzad le Regalim. What does that mean that Rosh Chodesh Nisan is Rosh Hashanah L'Regalim? What does that mean? Echad HaNoder, Echad HaNoder means whether or not you took a neder. Echad HaMa'arich, what's Ma'arich? Do you guys remember? Ma'arich? If I commit to give somebody's value, right? We have that whole table in Vayikra of how much people are worth based on their age and gender, etc. Right? Um, Hold on a second. Um, if I makdish something, and that's what we saw in the Sifri and Dvarim. You only are in violation of delaying if three regalim, meaning a full year's worth of regalim, pass by. Right? That's Tanakama. Rabbi Shimon Omer Shloshavagalim kiss Sidran. They have to be in order. So what's the order? Matzot Shavuot Sukkot. That's the order of the, of the Regalim. That's why Rosh Chodesh Nisan is the beginning of the Regalim. And Rabbi Shimon had an adage, a way to remember this. It could be that you would have three Regalim pass before you're in violation. It could be you'd have four. It could be you'd have five. Kate Sad, how's that? Now, darling, if you have Pesach, you took another then Achavru, Allah, Pesach, Fatser, Vachag, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, you're in violation. 
Nadal lifnei atzeret, but if you took the neder on Yom Atzmaut, then you have how many? If you took the neder on Lag Bomer, how many would you have? A corner of Shimon. Two. You would have. You took the neder to bring a korban, and you took the neder on Lag Bomer. At what point would you be in violation of Lotacher? Rabbi Shimon says, only after three regalim in order. So, so when would you be in violation? After pay, after the next Pesach. After the next Sukkot. Sukkot. Right, because Rabbi Shimon says it has to be in order. Right? right? And Matzot is first, which means you got Shavuot, Sukkot, and then Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. That's Rabbi Shimon. So Rabbi Shimon says sometimes it could be as many as five regalim before you're in violation. You still have a mitzvah to bring it the first regal, but you're not in violation until you pad that many pass. Right? Nadar lifnei atzeret, atshuru alav atzeret achag, v'pesach atzeret v'achag, v'achag atshuru alav achag, v'pesach atzeret v'achag. If you took the neder, let's say, in the summer, you'd have Sukkot and then another three. So it depends, according to Shimon, when you took it. And that, by the way, is the halacha, like Rabbi Shimon. Now, let's take a look at our sugya. That was all a lead-up to be able to see our sugya. And then we're going to look at a couple of Rambams. Okay. Again, the Mishnah said that. <clears throat> Sorry, go ahead. No question. Okay, the Mishnah said that um, that Rosh Chodesh Nisan is Rosh Hashanah Lira Galim, and then the Gemara says what that means. It means that you're in violation of Bal Ta'acher, according to Rabbi Shimon, if you let Pesach Shavuot Sukkot slip by without bringing your neder, and that means that even if you did it the previous spring, you'd have five regalim. You, you, know, you get, you have to pass Matzot, Shavuot, Sukkot in order to be in violation. Right? Good. So now we're going to look at the Gemara, and you're going to see two brighto, which is why I use the blue. That's my brighter color. Right? And what I did is first, the Gemara doesn't do this, I put the whole Pasuk there so we can see it. Right? The Pasuk's right in front of you. And now what I did is also I put the words from the pasuk that are quoted in the Brita in Koran font. Can, can everybody see it? Can you guys see that the, the word, there's some words here that are bigger? They're... Yeah, a little more bold. Right. So that's Koran font. Kitidor neder, right? Ainli ela neder. All I know is it applies to a neder. A neder is when you say what? Hooray. What's the next magic word? For another, haray is alai, haray alai. Neder for korban, haray alai, and then olash. I mean, whatever, right? Alai means I'm accepting upon myself the obligation. Ain liela neder, nedava minayin. How do I know it applies to a nedava? What's a nedava? It's when I point to the animal and say haray zu. And there's a critical difference. What if I say haray alai ola? And I set aside an animal for the Ola, and the animal gets sick and dies before I bring it to Shalim. What do I have to do? Get another one. Get another one. What happens if I say, Haray Zoo? I point to my goat and I say, Haray Zoo, and my goat gets sick and dies? Uh, you're off. I'm off the hook because a Nidava is about the animal. If the animal's not fit, that's it. Haray Alai means the obligation is on me. I'm obligated. Okay, good. So how do I know it applies to a Nidava? Nemarkan neder, in our pasuk it says neder. You see the, in the yellow, the pasuk only says neder. In the parsha of Shlomim, it says if you're bringing the Shlomim as a neder or a nedava. So their neder and nedava are sisters. So we're going to assume everywhere the Torah says neder, it means neder or nedava. And therefore, in our case, nedava is included too. Okay? What are the next words in the pasuk? What's that referring to? Elo hadamin. We'll talk about this. Arachin v'acharmin v'akdeshot. These are various monetary commitment commitments that you make to give to the Beit Hamikdash. What are? Let's work the easy one. What's hektesh? Something to better kabaya. Right, exactly. Yeah. I'm giving my computer to better kabaya, right? And then mm -hmm. they sell it, and the money goes to better kabaya. Arachin, we talked about. That's when I give somebody's value. Charamin is kind of like hektesh. It's a different form of hektesh. And damin is a different form of arachin. 
Arachin has a very set um, value that is mandated by the Torah based on age and gender. And sick, healthy, billing seven figures or homeless doesn't matter. You fit the age, you fit the gender, that's the amount. Damim is a subjective piece where if I say I'm giving my value, I'm giving the value of my wife, I'm giving the value of my neighbor, I'm giving the value of that famous baseball star, then the Beitin has to do an evaluation, appraisal of what that person's value is, and that's the amount that's called dummy. Okay, so I committed any of those things. They are Why are they called Lashem Elohecha? Because even though we think, I don't know about you, but I always think a Berakabayit is secondary to the Mizbeach. If I dedicate something to the Mizbeach, that's a great korban. Berakabayit is, oh, okay. But it's actually the opposite. When I dedicate something to the Mizbeach, some goes to God, but not all of it. Even in Olah, the pelt goes to the Kohenim. And a Shlamim, that's a barbecue. Right? Barbecue with God. But Ben who does it go to? The entire thing goes to the Beit HaMikdash. It's, the whole thing is Kodesh. So if I dedicate my, uh, my horse to Ben the entire horse belongs to the Beit HaMikdash. And the Beit HaMikdash will probably sell it, and all that money is holy. Right, so that's Lashem Elohach. Okay, what does it say? Lo ta'acher l'shalmo. Right, that's the next phrase in the pasuk. And I want to show this to you. I want you to see how the the Brita takes apart this midrash, takes apart the pasuk phrase by phrase. Lo ta'acher l'shalmo. Don't delay paying it. Hu v'lo chilufav, meaning it only applies to the animal and not the animal substitute. So if you remember, the Gemara said, "What are you talking about?" And the Gemara came up with this with the with the uh, explanation. It's talking about a case where a person um, dedicated an animal to the Tamikdash, made a commitment, <clears throat> set aside the animal, and then the animal became a Balmum. And so then he swapped it for a good one. I might think that the good one takes on the original one's clock for three regalim. If we're saying no, it starts its own clock. Okay. Then it says, God will seek them out. This promises out. What's that? Why are these different? Because these are korbanot that you are committed to. A chatat is not something you can voluntarily bring. A chatat you're bringing because you did something wrong. Hasham also. Olot ushlamim seems to be olot ushlamim that you committed to. So these are things God's going to seek them out because you committed to it. Where are you? And then it says, Adonai Elohecha, what's that? Elut stakot ma'asrot ubechor. So it says that's referring to things that are, that are gifts actually to other people. God's going to seek them out because, I'm going to put a little bit of a drushadic twist on it, but I think it's accurate. God is the patron for these people. God is the, is the watcher for the poor, for the Levim, and for the Kohanim. And if you don't pay what's coming to them, because Bechor, by the way, is typically the gift to the Kohanim. In most cases, in many cases, it's then the Kohanim's meals, because if it has a mum, the Kohen gets to shecht it and keep it at home, right? So God seeks these out. God will seek them out from you. What's that? Zeleket shikhopeah. Now, we didn't talk about this in the year, so I want to do it now. <clears throat> why is this word, God will seek it out from you, why is that referencing the three famous gifts to the poor from the field. Why would that be the case? Then me'imcha, they're saying, that word is referencing the gifts from the field. So let me ask you, how could I owe payah? Think about it. How could I owe payah? How could there be a delay in payah that we say you're violating the delay? How could that be? How could there be a delay in leket? Right? Like, what's leket? Is my harvesters are coming through. They drop some seeds. I'm supposed to let the poor guy collect them, the poor Moabite woman collect them, right? How could there be a delay? It happens right on the spot. What kind of delay are we talking about? So let me ask you a question. What happens if I violate the law and I clear cut my field? I don't leave pay up. What happens if I violate the law and I have my workers follow the other workers, and when the workers drop seeds, they pick them up, and the poor don't get anything. You're in violation of something. And then what do I have to do? <laughs> I have to pay the poor. 
I owe the poor. So I owe okay. the poor, for instance, Paya is meter on one sixtieth of the field. So right away, one sixtieth of the field, I got to put aside. And even if I already processed the wheat, and even if I turned it into into flour, I have to give that amount to the to the poor. Same thing with the others, and that's where the delay would come in. Okay, just to be clear, we said below the korban the sin will be on you. The korban will not be invalidated. So if you were to bring the korban late, it's still accepted. Okay. And now we'll want to see one other brighta because you'll see how much of a sister this is to our brighta. Where is this pasuk from? You see the pasuk in yellow here at source 12? This Gemara is on the next daf. We did this uh, three to four days ago. Um, where is this pasuk from? You recognize it? All right, here we go. Look at it. A. You see it? Hey. Source two, you see it? Mm -hmm. See source two from yeah. the you see it? Okay, the first pasuk was the one we just went through. Kitidor neder, that includes nedava. Hashem lo'echa, that refers to arachin, etc. Lo ta'achel shamo, hu v'lo chalifat. We went through this whole pasuk and darshan, every word out, every phrase out, as refer, referencing either inclusions or exceptions to the rule of delay. Look at pasuk chaftalid. Remember, I mentioned when we studied this, the pasuk chaftalid looks like it's a little bit of a reiteration of pasuk chaftet. All right, what do you see in pasuk chaftalid? That which comes out of your mouth, you have to guard and do it. Just as you swore to God to give us an adavah, now let's see what we do with this here. Okay. What does the brighter say? Zo mitzvat asay. That's the mitzvat asay to fulfill your commitments. Tishmor. Now, by the way, what's the general midrashic rule about the root shamor? Shamor always refers to what kind of mitzvah? Um, positive. Is that what you mean? Shamor always refers to? Tase. A low tase. Easy way to remember it is Zachor v'shamor. Zachor is the okay. mitzvah. The same Shabbat, Shamor is the low tase. And that's why you have the famous statement of Rav Every time it says, Hishamer, Pen, Bial, it's a low tase. So here they darshan, Tishmor, Zomitzvah, low tase. What's the low tase involved in a commitment? The assay involved in a commitment is bring it. What's the lot assay involved in a commitment? Don't don't not be late. Don't delay. Right. And now the asita, that's the pasuk. Asita. You see the above in the yellow. The asita That's telling the baitin that they have to force you to do it. If you don't do it, they have to force you to do it. By the way, if you recall in the Gemara, we said, I don't understand what any of these drashot mean because the fact that there's a mitzvah to bring korbanot when you commit to it is something we learned in our very first pasuk, which is right? When you cut, when you come to the mikdash, you have to bring your korbanot. Tishmor is the lotase of not delaying, that's lotacher. And Vasitas are all the Beitin Chiasucha. We said we've got another one that's Lirtsono, Yakriv, Yakrivero, that a person, if he makes a commitment, has to Beitin steps in and forces him and fulfills commitment. And so remember, we said that one of them is referring to a case where you committed but didn't yet designate. And the other one is when you designated but didn't yet bring it. That's how we reconcile that. Okay. Kasher nadarta zen neder. That's referring to a neder. Adonai loecha elu chataot ashamot alot ushlamim. Right, those are korbanot yuo. Nedava, just nedava. Shedibarta elu kotshev al kabayit. That's hektesh and charamim, etc. And b'ficha zut staka. Now notice this one doesn't go like at shik chapeav, but staka. So it sounds like this brayta is replicating the previous brayta. So let's see if we can make. Some sense of this. We're going to take a look now at the Rambam. And the first place we're looking, and we've spoken about this work in the past, 
<clears throat> is a book that the Rambam composed as an introduction to Mishneh Torah. What are the three great halachic works that the Rambam composed? What are they? Mishneh Torah. Mishneh Torah, that's the, number three, that's yeah. the final one. And he composed, that's the only one he composed in Hebrew, right? What else? Introduction to the, I mean, Perusha Mishnayot. Right, Perusha Mishnayot, exactly. That's the first one. He completed it when he was 30, and he wrote it in Arabic. And what are you looking at right now in Source 13? Oh, Seifer from Mitzvot, also written in Arabic, and written as an introduction to Mishnah Torah. And I want to explain how that works. I've told you too many times about the Drush of Rav Simlai. There's 613 Mitzvot. Right, except that he doesn't tell us what they are. And therefore, starting with the ninth century, there developed a literature which lasted for another 500 years, 600 years, of Minyana Mitzvot, different Chachamim suggesting what goes on that list and what are the criteria for things going on the list. And so the Rambam came along in the wake of, of Saidia's list and most importantly, the Bahag's list and other lists and said, I'm going to tell you what the list is. I'm going to, and he gives us 14 rules, 14 paragraphs as an introduction of rules for what should go on the list and what his argument is, why it should be or shouldn't be there. And then he has Sefer Mitzvot and Sefer Mitzvot, which we looked at last week in the context of the very famous Mitzvot say 153, which is Kiddush HaChodesh. And we're going to come back to that in a couple of weeks. Here in the Mitzvot say. Uh, and by the way, this is an introduction because if you look in the Mishnah Torah, when you open up any set of halachot, what does the title of, this, of the set of halachot say? This section includes seven mitzvot, four mitzvot say, three mitzvot lotase. Here's what they are. Bah, 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 bah. And now the explication of these mitzvot follows in these chapters, and then he starts. The Rambam presents Mishnah Torah as basically a presentation of the details of all the mitzvot. And so Sefer Mitzvot is the foundation for it. And Sefer Mitzvot, he writes as follows in Mitzvot, i say number 83. God commanded us to bring all of the korbanot that we owe in the first regal that we encounter of the three regalim, so before any of the regalim pass, so that everybody should have offered every korban that they owe after that regal, which means every time that there's a regal, so when Shavuot comes, every korban that any Jew owes to God by the time Shavuot and that week is over has been offered. When Roy tell that, what's his, and the Rambam always would say for me, quote, takes us to the Pasuk. Uvata shama vavetem shama. Our Pasuk in Rei, our Tupsuk in Rei. Vinyan sivui, and he explains now. Shiomar kshitavo shama, meaning when you come to that place, which is all three regalim, So how does the Rambam read it? Uvata shama vavetem shama. When you come there, you bring. And when you're coming there, all through Regalim, you have to come. So when you come, you bring. Right? He's quoting our Sifri to tell you that there's an obligation to bring them on the first Regal. And there it says, but you didn't violate lo ta'acher until all three regalim passed. The Rambam says, three regalim, then you violate the lav. Three regalim sounds like in any order, meaning if I did it in the summer, I'd be in violation the next Shavuot, right? Okay, keep that in mind. So when you let one regal pass, you already missed the mitzvah say of bringing it on time. Rosh Hashanah, he quotes our Gemara. He quotes her mayor, who says, one regal, it's already about Tacher, from our Pasuk. Why did Rameer say that? When you come, you have to bring. And therefore, if you didn't bring it on time, you're delayed. Rabbanon say, no, that is 
the mitzvat asay. So the Rambam says, you see the Rameiro's opinion was rejected. And the Rabbanan's comeback is that our pasuk is there just to tell you there's the asay to do it there. That's And then what's the mitzvah say? Every regal bring all the things that you owe. All these things that you owe, including owing to the poor and the kwanim and the vim. Paying them all off by your first regal, and he quotes, mentions our Gemara. Okay, that's in Sefer Mitzvot. Jump ahead to the Mishnah Torah. You ready? Does this look familiar? The mitzvah is, and he says it now as a clear psaq in the Mishnah Torah, all obligations, whether they're obligations that are placed on you or that you accept it on yourself, what you are obligated to bring them and pay them off by the first regal or during the first regal. Kumar, the H, when you come to, to celebrate, or If the regal came and you didn't bring it, you, you, you did not fulfill a mitzvah Right? Okay, so now, once all three regalim have passed, then you're in violation of delay. That's the prohibition. Right, so now, what's the Rambam's read on this? He says that the language of the pasuk, what's the language of that pasuk? The language is one of confirmation. You come and you bring. What's the language here? Don't delay paying it. So the way the Rambam is reading it, and this is his response to a mayor, if you think about it. Rameir says, since the Torah says you got to bring it on the first regal, first regal came, you didn't bring it, you're already delayed. And, and everybody else says, no, that's just the assay, the lotase is later. But if you think about it, Rameir makes a lot of sense. The Rambam says, no, look at the language. The language of the Torah is when you come, you bring, which means clearly the obligation. The Rambam goes into detail here to kind of give us the sense of it. The obligation is when you come to a shalim, come and bring all of your obligations. Now, I want to make a side note here, which is vital. Included in these obligations is staka and peah and leket and shikha. Why? Because how does the Torah obligate us to celebrate all regalim? I'll take you back to the first page. <clears throat> Look at the beginning of Chagas Sukkot. See Chagas Sukkot. And read the next pasuk and tell me how you're supposed to celebrate Sukkot. With whom? Who, are you, who do you have to include in your celebration? Son, your daughter, your yeah. son, who else? Who else has to be included in your celebration? Your servants, your lady servants. Who else? Good, keep going. Who else? And the Levi and the stranger that is with you. In other words, who do you have to include? And the almanah, the widow. So who do you have to include? Good, excellent, Bill. Who do you have to include? Your entire household. And who else? (laughs) Who else? More critically than your household, who else do you have to include? Your servants. Your your servants. That's your household. Besides that. Uh, The uh, the widow. In other words, words, give me a category. Wow. The poor, the poor, or the the, the disenfranchised the, have to be included. Poor, widow, orphan, lady, all the people who are disenfranchised, you have to include them in your simcha. So now the Rambam says, therefore, when you come to Shalim to celebrate, you are obligated to bring all of your debts to the poor and to Levim besides your debts to God. And there's a mitzvah say to pay them off at every regal. So that because your celebration of the regal is not a full celebration unless you include the poor and the indigent in that celebration. And therefore you have to make sure that your debts to them are paid off. 
I, I'll, I'll give you an example. It's like somebody who Yom Kippur goes into full Yom Kippur mode and he's crying and he's weeping and he's got his head bowed, but he's still got, got an ongoing fight with his neighbor and he doesn't settle it. Mm -hmm. That's not Yom Kippur, man. You got to first fix things up with your neighbor. So same thing here. Right? And now the Raman points out at the end, Ve'in lokin alav zed. There's a lota say that we've been dancing with all shear, which is lota acher. What's the general rule? What's the punishment for a lota say? Bonkers. Makot, except there's no makot here. Why? One of the rules of makot is makot can only be administered for a, a lota say where you did something. You got up and you were shotness. You ate in a vela. Here, what was the lota say? You didn't bring it on time. You delayed. Mm. So there can't be any makot for it because Allah shame Bomas said. Okay, one last thing I want to show you is the Rambam here on Staka. It's a beautiful way to, for us to end. Hatstaka. And this is the Rambam in Matnotaniim and the rules of Staka, which, by the way, most of Matnotaniim is in the field. Most of Matnotaniim is Peya, Leka, Shikha, Peret, Olot, all the laws in the field, because that's where we give the poor. Tzaka is included among Nidarim. If a guy says, I'm going to give $100 to Tzaka, or he points to a $100 bill and says, I'm giving this to Tzaka, notice what he says. You have to give them to the Anim when? Immediately. Immediately. What happened to mm -hmm. first Ragel? And if you delayed, you violated lo tacher. Why? What's the Rambam explaining? What was the general rule we just saw in source 14? Whenever you make a commitment, when are you supposed to pay it? Because these are commitments you're bringing to the Beit HaMikdash. We're not expecting you to go to the Beit HaMikdash every Monday and Thursday. You, when you go up for Pesach, you bring it. But when you make a commitment mm -hmm. to Staka, when do you when are you supposed to give it? Mm -hmm. ASAP. As soon as poor guy. <laughs> right? Why? And he says, sure, be because you have the ability to give it right away. You don't have to go anywhere, it's right there. Uh, There's always poor people around. Ain't shamanim. Let's say you happen to be in a place where right now there's no anim. You set it aside for when? Not for the regal, for when you find anim. You meet If you said, I'm giving stalka, I'm committing to stalka as soon as I find an ani, then you don't have to set the money aside till you do. Okay, if you essentially make your neder contingent on the gaboim, the collectors of the staka. And what they want to do, then it can, it can follow those contours. But I want you to see here that the Rambam does something very sharp, which is based on Rava's statement of the Gore, that you remember, that even though the obligation of everything else only kicks in at the first regel, the obligation of staka is immediate. The obligation of staka is immediate for several reasons. You're not getting you, there's your slime is irrelevant to Stakai, it's local, right? So you may and you can do it right away. But the other thing is the need is immediate. The need for carbonot, there is no need for carbonot. God doesn't need your carbonot. That's your obligation okay. to fulfill what you said you're gonna do for God. God will wait till the rego. So what is included in the Matnot Aniim that's mentioned in the uh in Hilchot Maser Korbanot? Why is that not immediate? We are, uh, oh, uh, parent like like and she because it seems like what they would do with that, although it's unclear why, is let's take a look at it. Dun, dun, dun. Just looking at the first line, right? So it, it seems like, um, things like that, which are less of a like a monetary thing, but more like the not in the sense of either like a chikopea or maser oni, uh, was something that they would bring to a shalim and distribute there. It seems like, right? But you raise a good question because that really should be not included in, in, in this. However, all the brightot that we saw included them in the category of lotacher uh, and therefore in the same grouping. So it's specifically tzedakah that Rav and the Gemara and then the Rambam rules this way 
excuses from that and says it's an immediate obligation you have. So what we've seen over the last hour and three minutes was we went basically through the sugya of Al-Takher, but top down, because we had already studied this sugya in the Gemara, but now I wanted to give firm foundations. And the firm foundations, like everything, is Doraita, is in the Torah. And here we find, find a number of parshiot. Uh, we saw the parsha in Re'e, we saw the parsha in Kitetse, and I showed you the piece in Mishpatim where Lotacher is used in a different context. We talked about why. We saw the line in Pinchas and then the whole piece at the end of Re'e here. And of course, this superfluousness that we didn't really get to was why Rabbi Shimon said, you see that you're only in violation when you've, when you've lapsed over all three holidays in order, because this entire phrase is superfluous. Tanakama says, that's why I know I need all three. Rabbi Shimon says, yeah, Chagas Sukkot is super superfluous. That's why that's the kicker. And when you've lapsed all three of these, then you're in lotacher mode. You have to remember that when the Torah says lotacher, it doesn't tell you what that means. It doesn't tell you when is lotacher. And so Remeyer takes the position that since the Torah obligates you when you bring your korban to, when you come to Yerushalayim to bring it, therefore, if you didn't bring it, you delayed. It's very simple. First regular, you delayed. But the other Chachamim say, no, there's a different consideration here. And the fact the Torah uses different phrasing means you have an obligation to pay it the first time to come to Yerushalayim. Delaying means that you went past that. You didn't take that opportunity. And the reason the Torah lists is to tell you this is the full range of dates after which you're already in violation of delay. And so we saw the sugya, then we saw a couple passages in the Rambam, one from Sefer Mitzvot and two from the Mishnah Torah that presented to us in the practical sense. And then Michael's very good question, which is, so why is why are Matnananim anchored towards the Regal instead of all of them being immediate, not just stuck up? Good question. Okay, we'll see you guys next week. And uh, we will... Um, we will pick it. We will pick up a sugya, very likely about Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Yemei Hadin, and some of the more metaphysical aspects of that next week. And then the week afterwards, we'll probably come back to Rosh Hashanah. We may do the sugya of the of the fast days and about Megillat Tanit. So we'll see. Have a great week and stay healthy. Okay, great. Thank, Thank you. you.